Hello there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. So, who are you and what do you do? Welcome to the show. <laughs> yes, hello. Um, my name is Krzysztof Urbaniak uh, and I'm uh, a Polish organist, um, a teacher. I'm teaching at uh, two music um, academies uh, in Łódź and also in, uh, in Kraków. Um, I'm also an organ expert. I, I have a position of, of um, the organ expert of the Ministry of Culture and National Heritage of the Republic of Poland. And of course, I'm also doing things like writing um, articles and books on historic organ building and uh, performance practice, um, making editions of notes of, of, of music, I mean. And, um, and one of the very important fields of, of my activities uh, is Baltisches Orgelzentrum in mm -hmm. Stralsund, which is a society trying to focus its activities on documentation, preservation, uh, recordings also, and restorations of historic organs in the Baltic region, let's say. Wonderful. You're all over the place, right? <laughs> it's it's such, a, such a wonderful thing that at this age, uh, of, of fairly young age, I would say, uh, like me, right? You are, you are doing so many things for the organ world, not only for Poland, not only for, for the Baltic uh, area, but but I, think, I would think uh, for entire European cultural heritage also, right? Well, you say a lot, of course. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I personally believe one, one should try to learn um, his own background very well, very well. Mm -hmm. And then you can go, so to say, uh, to the people and try to make discussions. And then you would, of course, discover things which you have in common with them. Yes. So, Christoph, we are meeting here in Vilnius University, St. John's Church, yes. uh, early in the morning. And, uh, and just yesterday, uh, I know you had a splendid lecture about 18th century Gdansk organ culture, right? And uh, it was very successful. I had my student uh, observe this lecture and he had, was very fascinated by, by the topic and by the discussion and by your presentation. So I'm glad you came and, and thank you for your time and you're very generous. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, what, what shall I say? I tried to do my best. And of course, this lecture was um, also connected to the idea to promote a new edition the Kerlworks uh, by Daniel Magnus Grona, which, which was um, prepared by my colleague Martin Ross from Strasen and by me, and of course co-edited um, by, by the Music Academy of uh, Woods. So, so, so I brought this edition as a present, so to say, to the um, uh, Music Academy of Vilnius, and then I thought it would be maybe um, appropriate to, to say something, to show some pictures, to so show some recordings, and and, and to discuss the issue, yes. Fantastic. I think uh, uh, you should be... Um, it, let me tell you, uh, let me ask you this. Are you living in Dansk right now? Too? No, no not, not at all. Not, not at all? Not at all. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm <laughs> every week between Łódź uh, and Kraków. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it is central and southern Poland uh, and Kraków is 600 kilometers exactly from, right. from Gdańsk. But Gdańsk have been, um, has been um, really uh, one of the main 
fields, um, fields of research mm -hmm. of mine. And uh, of course there's this organ in Pasueng which has been restored recently also under my supervision and um, it is an organ from Danzig because it's, it was made by Andreas Hildebrand who was one of the main figures in the 18th century. So somehow I, I feel uh, connected to this place, of course, yes. Do you have this feeling when walking in, in the ancient streets of Danzig that, that oh, it's some, what, 300 years ago Organ builders, organists, organ masters worked there and created these masterpieces that are still uh, present up to these days uh, in most of the cases, right? Which makes this uh, beautiful city so unique in the world, right? Well, yes and no, because because Gdańsk has been, you know, heavily damaged in uh, in 1944 mainly. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, the organ cases, as such, most of them have been um, uh, kept safe because there was a group of German ar uh, architects, uh, the, it was called Baustoppkeibel, and they had this great task just to document, to, to make measurements, to take measurements and just to dismantle organ cases and also three complete Baroque organs and, and, and just to put them in safe places in small villages, yes, of course. Um, but this is the past, so, so, so Danzig is such, of course, is unique in terms of, of the splendid uh, ensemble of organ cases. But in terms of preserved instruments, well, not much has been left, mm -hmm. of course. So, so if, you, if you want to uh, talk about the style and, and, and type of, of uh, an instrument from Gdańsk, you really would have to also um, take a look on what, uh, what is standing, maybe still preserved in, in some villages, smaller cities around Gdańsk, mm -hmm. and, and even you know in a quite wide circle of, of, of 100 kilometers. Yes, mm -hmm. and of course uh, to go back to your question, uh, uh, if I'm thinking about the organ builders, yes, very much, um, and I also have many reasons for this. But um, uh, if if I were supposed to to make a summary and just, you know, in a synthetic way to present this world of the organs, one, one would probably have to say that there would be three main uh, directions from, from which the, the, the ideas came to Gdańsk uh, already in the 16th century because then, mm, uh, well, if we start in, in really the last quarter of the 16th century, you have this magnificent organ from St. Mary's, which has been made between 1583 and uh, 1585 by Giulio Antoni from Friesland. Giulio Antoni Friese, of, of course, uh, this is today <laughs> Holland, partly, at least partly. And, um, of course, Johann Koppelmann, his apprentice, uh, also representing this line, would later come to Vilnius, so, so you have a direct connection, of course, mm -hmm. to Vilnius. Uh, then you have this group of uh, North German uh, organ builders like Johann Helbig, who would uh, uh, come to um, Danzig, to Gdańsk from Lübeck, so, so really representing this, this kind of, of circle. And, and also some German-speaking uh, organ builders who are active already on, on this territory, like uh, of, um, uh, the, uh, the organ builder Fischer, for instance, or Thiele, many of them. And then you would get this um, second um, uh, direction, 
originating from the south, uh, south from, from Krakow, with uh, Jerzy Georg Nitrovsky, the uh, founder, the father of, of a really great organ building family, over three generations at least. Uh, they started really their career in, uh, in Krakow and in what is today Slovakia. And then they would move from, from Krakow through Warsaw to Gdańsk and Jerzy Nitrowski would settle down in Gdańsk in 1649 and he would bring the really new uh, set of ideas, for instance, uh, the, the string stops, the salitionals, which were unknown mm -hmm. before this point in Gdańsk, would be suddenly present in almost every single instrument and, and a big um, amount, a large amount of eight foot stops, as in this organ, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, so, this uh, direction from, from the south would, would dominate the scene in, in, in Gdańsk maybe until 1710, 1715, and then you get the, the third direction, which partly originates from Abschnittka uh, through his uh, master apprentice, Meistergesell Johann Balthasar Held, who <laughs> was also an apprentice of Georg Nitrovsky. So you, you, you've got this connection. And then um, Johann Balthasar Held, would have some kind of, um, unfortunately, yet unclear uh, connections with Andreas Hildebrandt. We know that both of, of them were working in Koschalin on an organ in 79. And, and then you can see suddenly in uh, several organs made by, uh, by Hildebrandt, by Andreas Hildebrandt in Gdańsk, uh, great similarities uh, uh, to the organ cases and, and some some uh, details of construction with the organs of Schnittke. So really, the Netherlands and Northern Germany of the 17th century, then you get the uh, uh, new um, uh, air, so to say, from, from the south, and then a bit of Abschnittke. So, so that's what, in my mind, defines the world of, of the organs uh, in, uh, in Gdańsk in the 18th century. And even visually, right, you have these wonderful um, small uh, towers uh, that we don't have usually in Lithuania, for example, or, or in eastern part of the Prussia, because we have to remind our listeners where Gdansk is, right, uh, on, the, on the Baltic Sea, on the, on the uh, Baltic Sea where the territory of uh, West Prussia was, right? It was a centrum of, of yes. that culture, right? Yes, of course. Well, the... the political situation, of course, is, uh, is a bit you know, fragile in Gdańsk because the city, from the formal point of view, belonged, uh, well, at least to the partitions of, uh, of Poland, formally, as I say, to the Kingdom of Poland. Mm. But from, from the uh, ethnic point of view, it was absolutely dominated by the German-speaking population, yeah. also with some portion of, of, of uh, Dutch people and some, but not very substantial, uh, uh, number of, of the Polish-speaking community. So, uh, so this interesting mix of, uh, of Germanic culture under, let's say, uh, Polish administration, partly, 
partly. But I was having a, a very nice conversation with um, um, with Eric Winkel uh, from from the Flange of uh, organ building company last week, <laughs> and he just told me that he didn't know um, that, um, for instance, there were mayors of uh, of Gdansk which were simply Dutch people, and they would be really reading Amsterdam newspapers mm -hmm. and. And if you, for instance, uh, um, take a look on uh, uh, on the seventh century drawings, um, just showing the city, the silhouette from from some distance, you would see, of course, that it it got fortifications totally after the Dutch Dutch manner in the Dutch way. So so, so really a lot of uh, of influence from different parts. And these uh, multicultural and uh, cosmopolitan even ideas probably are remnants of the old Hanseatic tradition, right? Surely. It was yes. the Middle Ages. Can you, can you, uh, do you remember in which uh, century it was the most prominent uh, feature, the Hanseatic League, basically? Well, I would say uh, this idea was already well belonged to the past in the in, in the early Renaissance. So, so the best time would be the late uh, medieval time. Late medieval, yeah. And and if you, uh, for instance, uh, try to analyze the situation of, of cities like Lübeck, you know, the, one of the most important Hanseatic cities, it would be very clear that most of the more uh, of uh, of the most spectacular buildings and uh, you know objects of art would be would have been created really uh, at this point of time mm -hmm. at this point of time but Gdańsk um, had its prosperity time maybe uh, in the 16th century 16th century right because the city is dominated actually well uh, of course you have these gothic churches great great churches like St. Mary's or St. John's or, Saint, or, or, or Holy Trinity is of course but I would say you also get a lot of Dutch Renaissance, and 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 you have these Dutch architects like uh, Abraham van, van den Blocke and and, and Isaac van den Blocke, mm, and really Gdańsk was uh, the main harbor city of uh, of Poland mm -hmm. at this time. So, so many products would be tra transported through the Vistula Viswa River, which starts somewhere in in the mountains and goes. Through all the main cities, and then you would have in Gdańsk places just where, where uh, corn and and some metals from the south, like uh, lead, different kind of products, uh, wood, timber, would be stored, and then they they would be sold. So, so this was one of the main sources of um, of income, I would say, mm -hmm. of of Gdańsk, well, to my understanding at least. And this, uh, for example, uh, these churches in in the 18th century, you mentioned in Gdansk, Gdansk uh, did they have um, um, lots of composers writing for the organ at the time? Or yes, as far we know, as far as we know, yes, uh, in the uh, well, already in the 17th century, mm -hmm. because if you, uh, for instance. Um, analyze what was happening at St. Mary's, the main church. Well, you have this pupil of Jan Peterson's feeling, Paul Ziffert. Then you would also have a student, uh, a student of uh, Johann Jakob Vorberger, Ewald Hinz. Uh, and of course, I, I could co continue this list uh, uh, quite, for, for, for <laughs> quite a long time. Uh, well, if if your listeners, if, if our public today would be interested to, to get some more information, I would simply recommend to read this um, book by Hermann Rauschning, uh, 
which was published already in the 30s about the music and the music culture of, uh, of Gdańsk. I'll make sure I'll add the description of that book into the description of the podcast so that yes. people can find it online too. And now to, to go back to the 18th century, because this should be our main topic today, um, I would say there were at least two very substantial figures. Uh, the first would be Theophilus Andreas Volkmar, who was born in Stettin, Stettin at this time. Mm -hmm. You know, so he must have grown up in the shadows of the Schnitke organ <laughs> in St. Jacobi. Yeah. Then he would move to Gdańsk and, and, and he would start his career as organist of, of the Holy Trinity Church. Then he would move to St. Catherine's. And we have uh, six organ sonatas by him, which are quite curious because they are um, having uh, a very substantial pedal part, pedal part. So, mm -hmm. so almost in a very excessive way it's, it's being used. And there's a funny story because Volkmar did not get his position at St. Mary's because during the examination he, as has been written by the uh, examination committee, he treated the pedals of the organ in a most unfriendly way which, which would be very dangerous for the instrument itself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. and, and if you get a look on these sonatas which have been published actually recently, very recently, uh, you would understand what is meant. So, so really, not a very substantial, maybe, uh, uh, manual uh, part, but extremely complicated pedal part. It's such a rare occasion, right? Because usually, normally, organists will play uh, maybe virtuoso things on the manuals and maybe um, a few notes on the pedals, right? And therefore, their instruments would lack big organ t pedal towers, pedal mm -hmm. which well, is not the case in dance. Yes, right? it's, uh, it's exactly the opposite, mm -hmm. because um, you have very uh, big, very substantial pedal divisions, at least 10, 12, 14, and even 18 stops, like at St. John's and St. Mary's and St. Nicholas. And, but to go back to, to um, the composers, and then you have probably the most important figure of the 18th century, Daniel Magnus Gronau, who was described by his successor at uh, St. John's, Mr. Gleiman, as the most beautiful musical uh, spirit musical ghost almost today uh, that uh, has ever been present within the, the walls of the city mm -hmm. of Gdańsk of Danzig. And he must have been really quite fanatic in terms of, of uh, working because he, he created a lot of music uh, and this music was believed to be lost um, until very recently. Anyway, he tried to compose a kind of lexicon, a kind of encyclopedia of choral variations. Mm -hmm. So he pro probably spent all his life just writing variations. And after his death, the church of St. John's, the, the community, just decided to buy all the manuscripts from his sister. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, all the manuscripts which were remaining with, uh, after uh, the death, uh, death of uh, Daniel Magnus Gronau. And then it turned out that alone within the choral variations you, you had um, two very substantial volumes. And one of these uh, was preserved until 
around 1946. And some of, of the cycles of coral variations of Gronau have been published already before the Second World War. But then, you know, the source disappeared. And it was really a coincidence, <laughs> a total coincidence, that together with Martin Rost, uh, we, we found um, traces of, of a microfilm of the second volume, uh, preserved at the Newberry Library in Chicago. Mm. So somebody, we still do not know who, and it was really impossible to uh, identify this person, brought the original book, the original manuscript, to this library and it was simply microfilmed. And then the original disappeared again. So the only thing we have is the uh, uh, microfilm, which after some struggle of, uh, let's say, uh, how, how do you say this in English, uh, uh, of, um, uh, I mean, de jure, so to say, the, the, uh, of, mm -hmm. uh, of juridic nature, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if this is it, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, de jure, I think yes, uh, let's say, people of, of this nature, well, it was possible to use it um, uh, for um, an edition, and and we got uh, fantastic help uh, from uh, um, from Dr. Krüger from from Autos Verlag, a German uh, uh, editor, of course. Uh, and at the end, we got two volumes with almost 500 you know, pages of all the music, which is very substantial, mm -hmm. extremely substantial. And what you have there is a vast collection, not only of music, of, of many different kinds of variations, uh, and almost all of them are using the pedal as an obligato part. Mm -hmm. But also, to my knowledge, the biggest ever <laughs> uh, created collection of uh, registrations. Mm -hmm. Indication. Indicated in the, yes, in the, yes, yes, yes. He's, he's writing almost in every variation, with exception of, uh, of uh, every first variation in, in this cycle, but all remaining variations have very precise uh, suggestions what kind of stops the organist is supposed so to So what? You know, uh, let's uh, recapitulate, you know the music, you know yes. the composer, you know the registration, yes. do, do we know the organ itself? Yes, quite well. For which it was written? Yes. It was... Um, um, well, first of all, we would have to say if and why we are able to connect the registration to a certain organ. Uh -huh. uh, if you uh, make a list of all the stops which are listed, well, which occur simply in the indications of Gronau, and if you compare it to the stop list of his great organ at St. John's, on which he was, you know, active as an organist for, for many years, almost 20 years, it will be very clear that actually, with exception of maybe some three stops which are not mentioned in the music, you got the same stop list, basically. Uh, so, so a connection can really be made. It was a, an organ with, um, which grew up, so to say, and which was enlarged several times. It started, well, its history started around uh, 1626, maybe, when a new organ was uh, built by Merton Friese, who was probably uh, the son of Julio Antonio Friese, already mentioned today. Mm -hmm. And um, 
It would be a three-manual organ, Hauptwerk, with a 16-foot principle, so really a big organ, then the Rückpositiv with an 8-foot principle, and a free independent pedal division, some 12 stop if, stops if I remember correctly. And then, towards the end of the 7th century, there would be some changes in the stop list, mainly uh, created by several members of the Nitrovsky family, also mentioned today already. And this stop list, unfortunately with some mistakes, has been documented by Johann Matheson in 1721 mm -hmm. in, in his um, appendix to his edition of, of the treatise of Mr. Uh, Need. I, uh, I mean this treatise on, on the thorough bus, how mm -hmm. to play and how, how to uh, figure out the way in which the thorough bus could be um, played, presented, realized. Um, and in this form, this instrument would be known to Daniel Magnus John. And at the end of his life, around 1744, and we know that he died in 1747, Gronau uh, let his own be enlarged in a very substantial way mm -hmm. by Andreas Hildebrand. Uh, and it was done in a very clever way, because uh, Hildebrand added two massive pedal towers, so that the pedal division got 18 stops. So really, a lot of foundations, five 16-foot stops, and a Posaune 32, and so on and so on. And these pedal towers, of course, could not um, find the, their place in, in the main you know, uh, nave of the church, so they had to be placed in the side naves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you got a very wide structure, almost 20 meters wide, a very great distance. Fantastic. And then if one thinks that Ronau is composing his uh, variations, for instance, also for pedals alone, and one imagines this great distance of, of let's say, the C and the C-sharp uh, side, you know, of the pedal or, uh, organ, uh, well, it must have been very uh, uh, interesting and uh, it must have been a very lively experience to hear, you know, the, sound coming from such a distance uh, and what's also interesting we know that this pedal organ has a very progressive compass up to f1 oh that was very so rare very, at that very, yes yes not uh, not many organs mm -hmm. uh, had this in this region uh, well of course the small organ of st john's got the same compass but it was after the death of of uh, gronau but, for instance, the great organ of uh, the cathedral in Königsberg, made by Johannes um, van in the 20s, also got this very interesting compass. Mm -hmm. But still, it was a very rare occasion. So you could play Bach's yes, F major, major Toccata. toccata. <laughs> yes, right. yes, yes. So we know quite a lot about this organ. And what happened to it? It was totally rebuilt, uh, rebuilt around, uh, around 1900 by, by this fa famous uh, Valka com uh, organ building company from Ludwigsbu Ludwigsburg in southern Germany. But the organ case with the original front pipes remained, and then it was uh, somehow saved um, by Baustab Kabel from. From, from the fire of the church, they just dismantled the organ. And now partly, unfortunately, without the pedal towers, the main uh, part of the organ has been um, uh, mounted in St. Mary's mm -hmm. in Gdańsk as the main organ, with a stop list that resembles a bit um, 
a situation from the 17th century. It was an organ created in uh, in the 80s by, by Hildebrand from, from Altfarmbüchern. Mm -hmm. So that's the story. Fantastic of story. It's such a treasure to to have finally finally find um, this massive source of registrations. Not only for music, but but uh, when you mentioned 500 pages of of uh, um, music and registrations, yes. right? That blows my mind because uh, mostly what we have from that century for choral variations is probably. Harmonische mm, Seelenlust by yes, you get Kaufmann, Kaufmann yes. mm -hmm. but it's not not that substantial. It's still yes. very very important, but but not on that level probably. Yes, that's also, uh, that's also my opinion. Um, of course, the music. Well, uh, he is repeating himself, mm -hmm. and probably it would be difficult for a composer who is willing just to write variations on every single melody in the hymnal book uh, not to repeat himself but still it has some very lively and interesting ideas and uh, again uh, I would say that for 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 the sake of uh, of education it is very valuable because you get many ideas how to create a choral variation with sometimes very simple um, let's say methods mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. and a lot is also written using thorough bus mm -hmm. so yeah it's a very interesting thing surely. so of course uh, uh, when you say choral variations first of all probably lutheran yes. uh, tradition yes. comes to mind yes. not catholic right no was it a, a lutheran um, yes. tradition in that region yes well Gdańsk would be dominated by the lutheran church already in the 16th century, mm -hmm. so, so there were very few Catholic churches. And Gronau was organized uh, exclusively in Lutheran churches. He started at uh, the small Lutheran chapel, uh, St. Anna's chapel, uh, standing just mm -hmm. nearby. Uh, uh, well, actually being part of, of the Holy Trinity Church. Then he would move um, to St. Catherine's as the organist of the small organ, because there were in the main churches at least two organs, and I can tell you more about this <laughs> in a while. Uh, then he moved also to, to the Lutheran Church of St. Mary's so as the organist of the choir organ. And finally he, he, he got the position of, of the principal organist of the main organ at, at St. John's. So he was exclusively working in Lutheran circles. And also he would grow up in, in, in a Lutheran tradition because um, he was born in Insterburg which is today part of, of the Skalningrad, Königsberg region. And that's what I also uh, uh, said yesterday in, in my lecture. I, I just show the stop list of, of the Zickermann organ of the Lutherkirche in, in Insterburg, which, which is no longer, no longer in existence, unfortunately. Right. Mm -hmm. And they, I just wanted you know, to show uh, in Vilnius this similarity with, with the organ case uh, of the Dominican church and, and, and I, I, I showed some, some phot photographs of, of a later organ from Insterburg which was made by Johann Preuss but that's totally off topic for today. Well anyway, mainly Lutheran uh, circles. Yes. Fantastic, fantastic. And uh, of course Lutherans really love to play the pedals, right? Uh, while the Catholics yes. probably would uh, play mostly manual stops, uh, which is which 
uh, is the case mostly in Italian tradition or South German tradition. They would add some of the pedal yes. um, parts, but not too substantial. Whereas uh, Northern European tradition yes. would expand, and therefore we see these enormous pedal towers. Yes. So tell me a little bit how how they used pedals. Uh, was it when you say obbligato? Uh, yes. Is it was it just cantos firmos or uh, pedal solos or any other techniques? Yes. Many ideas. Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot, a lot is written as a trio, where, where you simply play a totally independent voice on the mm -hmm. It's quite, quite difficult actually, so you really have to practice this. Then you get variations with cantus firmus uh, in the pedals, just in longer notes, and very often with a very standardized registration. And then you get um, variations for pedals alone mm -hmm. and it's always made uh, in the same uh, in the same way that the pedals is just uh, uh, that, that the right foot is playing the cantus firmus and right. the left foot is playing let's say counterpoint mm -hmm, mm -hmm. actually it's not a real counterpoint because it is a, a, a one voice texture but just uh, like you know uh, let's right. say so this would be the choral and the left hand is just playing the, count the, the, true, the, true. the, the counterpoint, let's say. The, the count counterpoint, mm -hmm. let's say. But I would like to go back to your statement about these pedals in the Catholic tradition because that's very interesting. Because, for instance, in Vilnius you have had, and you still have, this tradition of very independent pedal division I in know. Catholic churches. And also, very far from here, in southern Poland, for instance, if, if we... Uh, uh, if we have a look on uh, on the oldest Catholic organ in Poland, which is now being restored, the organ in Olkusz, mm -hmm. it also has a totally uh, independent pedal division. And even if you go to the south, for instance, Slovakia, uh, Slovakia the mm -hmm. uh, Hummel organ in Lavocha, for instance, it already had a pedal that we would probably uh, classify today as a North German idea. And then, even in central Poland, the Catholic tradition would make an extensive use of pedal divisions. And even if you think about the uh, the organ the, at the Bernardines Church in Vilnius uh, in the 17th century, the, well, the stop list is very well known. You have a pedal of, uh, I think, 12 stops. You know, with with Posaune, 16 trumpet, 8 cornet, 2, Bauernflöte, 1 foot. So really a totally North German tradition. And the problem is that we simply have no idea how it was used. Exactly. Uh, I, I was thinking maybe, you know, there was some money and there was some cult uh, artistic idea from the organ builder, you know. Uh, maybe they... they asked uh, Adam Gottlieb Kasparini or, or local organ builders from that tradition yes. also built uh, something big, something exciting, right? And they, they had the freedom to do this yes. and uh, enough money too uh, yes. to, to, to include pedals. Why not, right? Yes, but if you have a pedal division, well, actually you would probably use it. I hope so, I hope, but we don't know how, right? Well, we have... Um from the Catholic circles um, in Poland, there, uh, there is uh, an interesting source, music by Adam from Wągrowiec. He was he was a monk, and he he lived in the first half of the 17th century, and he was also an organ expert. So he would be invited to several very mm -hmm. uh, uh, prominent 
church is just to, to make the examination of a new organ. And there's some music uh, of him. For instance, there's a Prambulum Pedalita, mm -hmm. and he's playing really an obligato pedal. It's like this. Well, in the manuals you, you have some kind of stru structure and the pedals would be playing. So really, uh, quite a lot to, uh, to play uh, at this time. Uh, so, so I believe they really have used the pedals. And if you go to the really almost the earliest uh, source, uh, I mean the tablature of Johann uh, from Lublin, mm -hmm. which will be probably right. also known. Yes, 16th century. Yes, right. this mm -hmm. great tablature. Uh, uh, well, I, I had a nice uh, uh, discussion with, with my professor of, um, um, from, from Warsaw, from, from, from the time I studied in Warsaw, with Barbara Świderska, really a great, great person, and, and she was teaching the, the um, uh, Orgelbaukunde, um, uh, the, the, uh, the seminar on, uh, on the organ building, and, and also organ, lit, uh, organ lit literature, yes. And she told me that she, she analyzed uh, some of the liturgical uh, pieces from this tablature and these are rather short uh, compositions because of course in the Catholic context you didn't have as much time and place in the, li uh, uh, in the liturgy just to show the organ but actually the Cantus Firmus is played in the best way if you put it into the pedals otherwise you cannot uh, you know grasp with mm -hmm. one hand right. the distance is is too large mm -hmm. so i think it would also be used for 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 the sake of of, of the cantus humus playing maybe like in france you know like like mm -hmm. Plongeur, and and you have the cantus humus cantus planos in the tenor voice in the pedals so maybe that would be the way Something like uh, Samuel Scheid also said, yes. if you have some cantus firmus in any voice, you can play it with pedals. If yes. you have 8-4 and 2 foot reeds. And you had this possibility mm -hmm. in Vilnius. Mm -hmm. Of course, it, it, it would be perfectly possible. Wonderful. Uh, so, uh, so uh, Christoph, uh, what about today, for example, when you have this music, um, large volume of 500 uh, uh, pages, can it be used today in the, during the liturgical settings um, of today? Well, maybe yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Maybe as a prelude, for instance, but as the melodies are of Lutheran origin, it would be main, mainly uh, probably be used in, in the Lutheran context. Mm -hmm. So it would be possible to, to, to play it, for instance, during the communion, uh, the distribution of the communion when normally people do not sing mm -hmm. or as a prelude or something like this yes mm -hmm. it would be possible but of course uh, after the service you're free to do play whatever probably of you course. want and uh, mm -hmm. uh, I, I forgot to tell you some very interesting things about how how the organ would be used in the liturgical mm -hmm. context at St. John's in Gdańsk right because fortunately we have something which would be called an organisten agenda uh -huh. which is actually um, a document specifying very precisely at which point and in which kind of way both organs, the big organ on which the Grona was the organs, and the small organ mm -hmm. in the, uh, in the um, transept, would be used. So, the way would be, for instance, the organist of the big, of, of the large organ 
plays the prelude to the hymn. The organist of the small organ is accompanying the first verse. Mm -hmm. The organist of the large organ is, is playing the second verse, and so on, and so on. And the very last verse should be played by both organists on two organs. And they should, of course, make an agreement on, on the harmony. And I also <laughs> told this in my lecture yesterday that there would be some very, you know, substantial consequences if the harmony would not uh, be exactly the same. And even in the 19th century, there's a document from, from the uh, uh, St. Mary's Church, which was published by Mr. Cretion in the 30s of the 20th century, that the organist should really Keep in mind that, uh, for instance, should not pull the stops too loudly and should not create confusion. And of course, that they should play the last verse in exactly the same way. But I cannot imagine how it would be possible, how it was possible, just to coordinate the both mm -hmm. organs if you had a distance of, you know, 60 meters between them. Uh, were the both organs in tune in at the same pitch level? Oh, they must have been. Must, must have been. Uh, was it a Corton or Camerton tradition? Do you well, know? normally it would be the Corton tradition. Corton. So, so 465, uh -huh. normally. You have normally. step higher than today. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. But interestingly, if you uh, uh, analyze the cantatas, which are preserved from, from many churches in Gdańsk, you will see that the organ part is being transposed mm -hmm. down, mm. the whole tone. So, of course, organist uh, had to have a skill to, of transposition. Yes, at in least past. in writing. Well, well, it is written. You know, it is written mm -hmm. just uh, one whole tone mm -hmm. lower mm -hmm. already. But there were also cases that. Um, uh, transposing device would be constructed and it's a very interesting story mm -hmm. because in Poland there are three actually organs which have this kind of construction all right interesting and two of them are in Catholic churches so the first one is the and the oldest no it's not the oldest but 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 the biggest is uh, the organ uh, in Krzeszów in Grosau in a Cistercian uh, church made by Michael Engler from Breslau in the 30s, 1730. It's a very big organ, you know, like 50 stops. And it has a transposing device for the rückposity, mm -hmm. which you operate using two levers. So with one stop, you, so to say, lift up the keys, and with the second one, you just move, move. the mechanics. Movable keyboard basically becomes, right? Well, actually not the keyboard, but, but the mechanism. Under mechanism, the, the keyboard. okay. And mm -hmm. then you just... Uh, uh, put the keyboard to the previous position and you can play in the, in the transposed way. So from Colton to Camerton and you also have transposing stops on the pedals oh. for chamber music. And the same construction, uh, solved in a slightly different way, can be found in also a Cistercian organ, uh, organ in uh, Jędrzejów, which is in central Poland. And then it works like this, that this three-manual organ from 1754 has a fourth manual, which which is just pulled, you know, to towards the organist, uh, and it transposes the positive again from Corton to Kamator, and you simply, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know how it's in English, wie eine Schublade, you just pull it. Right. Well, photographs of it can be found easily on on the net, and then you have one one, the sole, <laughs> the only one example from the Lutheran. Circus, which is the Hildebrandt organ in Passwing. Mm -hmm. But there, the transposing device has been reconstructed. Uh, so the original mechanism is not preserved, unfortunately, but there were traces of it, because every stop of the second, uh, of, of the Oberwerk has additional pipes for contra 
B and contra B flat. Fantastic. Oh. Which means that there must have been a transposing device. device. Well, it's such a fascinating tradition that uh, you have these uh, engineering challenges yes, for, for, that, for the organ builders. You know, uh, what I heard, uh, uh, Adamo Razio Casparini built yes. an organ with uh, two kinds of temperaments, you know. With, uh, uh, no, uh, with two kinds of pitches. Pitches, pitches, pitches. pitches. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, for instance, uh, right. the organ he made for uh, the monastery church in Częstochowa, mm -hmm. where the two organs had, uh, so to say, registry uh, da camera. Camera, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which means that two or three stops would be tuned in camatone. Mm -hmm. And also the name Quintadena in camatone, flauto maior in camatone. And there is even one organ which is preserved. Uh, it is a small organ mm -hmm. which was originally built by Adam Orazio Casparini for St. For, for, uh, Elizabeth. Church in Breslau, in Wrocław today, in Poland. It's a small organ with ma one manual and without pedals, mm -hmm. and it has some transposing stops, mm -hmm. really. So it was just meant to fulfill the function of playing with, with instruments. other instruments. Mm -hmm. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, then you don't have this uh, intricacy of, of engineering, uh, moving the mechanisms of the of yes. the of the mechanics uh, behind the key. Uh, underneath the keyboard probably, um, you just have to retune the pipes, right, to, to do a different uh, pitch level. Yes. 400, what, 15, uh, Camerton is, yes. something like that. Fantastic tradition. I, I just imagine how, how much uh, it should have been appreciated by the clergy, for example, the wealthy citizens of the of the Gdansk, for example. Let's take Gdansk, right? Yes. Very widespread cultural tradition, right? Lots of organs, lots of music, right? Organ builders, uh, organists who played extremely sophisticated pedal parts, right? It would be a shame if nobody really would appreciate that kind of art, right? So I would think that a general uh, educational level uh, at least uh, for their audiences, uh, was quite high in that well, city. Do, do you agree? Actually, I have no information about it. <laughs> Let's be so, speculate. So, well, I can only speculate. Mm -hmm. And there would be some, oh, some Latin schools, of course, in, in the city. And, and um, uh, the young... Uh, uh, Schoolboys, may, mainly boys, would be, of course, trained in music, and and they would have also the function to sing with the organ, just just to take part in, in some musical, you know, performances. And it was the case in the Holy Trinity Church, for instance, where it was really made uh, done. Yes, uh, but as for the general level of music education, well, I would say. It must have been substantial to a certain degree uh, because of the fact that the people had to sing in a church. So they had to know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the melody and, and, and have some, some voice, you know, just, just to sing. 
I just imagine, you know, after after this uh, uh, splendid uh, service, maybe on Sunday or uh, festive occasion, yes. uh, a member of the congregation would come up to this to this organist and say, "Oh, I so appreciate splendid. your splendid Mr. pedal, Brilliant. double <laughs> double pedal solo." Uh, with I just I I really un understood the choral cantus firmus in your right foot. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Grono yes. would say, "Oh, thank you so much." That's what I, what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I meant. I played it for you. Gron but he's, you know, he's actually underlining very often the Cantus Firmus line with his registration, because, for instance, if if he's writing a trio, the Cantus Firmus is mainly in your left hand in the middle voice, mm -hmm. and then the middle voice, well, actually in medio, let's say, medio. because it's sometimes very high. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he is um, he is. Uh, actually, in every single case, registrating uh, the left hand with the countersumus much stronger than the right hand. Mm -hmm. And then you have this paradox that the stops chosen for the left hand are much higher in pitch than these which were chosen for the right hand. For instance, he's taking 8 and 4 for the right hand, and the left hand is 8, 4, 2. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it is really sounding as if you know all the uh, possible voices of men, women, and children were singing at the same time. And and you cannot you know uh, you cannot ignore the cantus firmus line. It is simply mm -hmm. always present. And your parishioners, for example, probably they would know it by heart, right? And the, they, the melody, yes. The, the melody. Surely, surely. That's what it takes. Probably people of today's uh, congregation should really know their melodies by heart. And then, if the organist is clever enough and uh, developed uh, his or her technique enough, then can play and elaborate and uh, improvise on these uh, cantus firmus yes. in very artistic, pleasing ways. Yes, and I must admit that it is possibly, probably, much more easy and comfortable to improvise on Lutheran hymns than on Catholic hymns, because the melodies are made mm -hmm. in such a way that it is maybe a bit simpler, mm -hmm. because Catholic mel melodies would, to a large degree, originate from the Gregorian chant with a totally different construction, so, mm -hmm. so we are forced to use some different ways of, of uh, harmonizing and so on. Well, Krzysztof, I think, I have a feeling that we could talk and talk and very talk long, about for hours, time. right? Yes, surely. <laughs> but yeah. sadly, our time draws to the end. Uh, and, of course, uh, I will be very curious to know about your future developments. Uh, I wish you um, great success in digging up the old sources. Maybe you will find Volume 1 uh, or maybe <laughs> Volume 3. <laughs> yes, <might> be. <laughs> you, you see? And maybe even... To, you will be able to initiate some organ reconstructions in, in, in Gdansk or other cities in Poland yes. where it's really needed, right? Yes, well, I hope so. So, so thank you very much. Uh, and uh, before we end, yes. could you please direct our listeners to some place online where they can find you and your work also? Well, I think YouTube is a nice source. So YouTube? Yes. Mm -hmm. And they will also find um, the website of the Hildebrand organ from mm -hmm. Passwenk. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm the, uh, the boss, <laughs> the chef of the music festival there, and it is a, an organ from Gdańsk, actually, the only one which, which really has historic material and which has been reconstructed, so you can try uh, out the, uh, the registrations of, of Gronau to a certain degree there.
Uh, they can also find some information about the reconstruction from Olkus, which is now um, going on uh, in the internet. So, so just try and well, try to find something. And you're on Facebook, right? Yes, yes. Right, so, right. so if some, somebody mm -hmm. would be willing to mm -hmm. to get uh, yeah, some some kind of contacts with me, yes, of course. Great. So, thank you so much. You're so generous, and have a great, <laughs> wonderful, brave, creative year ahead of you. And uh, I'm, <laughs> I'll, I'll be very, very curious about your future research too. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog Secrets of Organ Playing at organduo.lt where you will find lots of insights, practical advice and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vida Spinkavitus, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you online really soon.